Galatians chapter number 5. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 7. We'll read down to verse number 16. Galatians chapter number 5. Verse number 7, Paul asked this uh, local New Testament church this question. He said, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. But he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. What a blessing it is to be in your house. And I want to thank you, Lord, publicly and personally for the privilege it is to be here. I thank you for each and every person that has come here with heart open unto thy word. And Lord, we've come that we might fellowship together. We've come that we might gain help and encouragement. But Lord, above all, we have come that we might meet with you Father, that you might do an eternal work in our hearts and lives. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are traveling. We have several this week that are on the road and traveling and enjoying leisure time and some of them traveling for other reasons. And Father, I just pray you keep them safe where they are. And Lord, that you'd meet with them as well. And Father, that we would all, at the end of this time of enjoyment together, Lord, that we at the end of it all would be able to say we have drawn closer unto thee. Lord, we love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm fascinated by the question that the apostle asks this local body in the uh, locale of Galatia. He asks this question in verse number 7. He said, Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now, I'll go ahead and tell you that the book of Galatians has a lot of context to it. There are certain portions of Scripture, and by the way, you need the context for every portion of Scripture that you study. You need to know who pinned it down and who they're writing to and what's being said and why it's being written. But certain portions of Scripture are very heavily dependent upon the context. And the book of Galatians is one of those portions of Scripture. This was a local body of believers. It was a mixed multitude of Jews and Gentiles. And they had been uh, being persecuted, being afflicted by what uh, the, the commentators would term as Judaizers. People that sought to turn Christianity into Judaism rather than seeing Christianity as the fulfillment, as the transcending of Old Testament revelation. They saw it as being a supplement of Old Testament revelation and they essentially tried to tell this body of believers that they had to be circumcised, that they had to keep the law, that they had to observe feast days and had to uh, be a good Jew before they could be a good Christian. Let me say, I thank the Lord that you don't have to be a good Jew before you can be a good Christian. I wouldn't be a very good Christian because I wouldn't be a very good Jew. Somebody say amen to that. I love bacon too much. I love shellfish too much. I love catfish too much. I couldn't be a very good Jew. But I'm glad you can be a good Christian without having to first be a very good Jew. And so that is the context of the book of Galatians. But if I can for a moment, I want us to try to not dismiss that context, but I want us to step outside of it and view this as a local body of believers that are struggling and endeavoring to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, the book of Galatians is about Judaism and its attempt to uh, infect and, and pervert New Testament Christianity with a sort of legalism that is not biblically seemly. But at the end of the day, I look at this and I see a group of believers that want to serve the Lord, that are trying to serve the Lord, uh, that are struggling to serve the Lord. And it sort of reminds me of me and you in this day that we live in. Because I hope that this is true of you, and I believe that it's true of me. We're not perfect individuals, but we're trying to serve the Lord. We're doing what we can to live for Christ, and we're trying to ever make forward progress in our spiritual development. In that context, Paul asks this question to them. And he likens the spiritual development of a believer to the analogy of a race He says, you've been running this race that you're in. You've been moving on a course. And you know, that's sort of like biblical Christianity. God saves a person. That's the start of the race. Amen. Some folks want to finish the race without ever starting the race. But you've got to be born again. You've got to start the race. And then you're on a fixed set course. Every single one of us one day is going to stand complete before the presence of God, robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of road between the start of the race and the end of the race. And we will be judged according to how we have ran that race that is set before us. Paul used this similar language in Hebrews chapter number 12 when he said this, that we ought to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And he said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Every single born-again believer is on a course, on a path, in a race that they are running. Now here's the question I have. Have you ran well? Are you running at all? If you're not running well, Paul would ask this question, who did hinder you? I want by the Lord's help to answer that question this morning in your life and in my life. It's interesting he didn't say what did hinder you, but he said who did hinder you. And I think we're going to find out exactly who that person is that has hindered us. If we're not doing everything we ought to be for the Lord, I think we'll find out exactly who's to blame. We'll call them by name this morning. Who's to blame for hindering us? So let's notice a few things. By way of a little introduction, I want you to notice that their history is wrapped up in this question that he asked. Now, first off, let me say this. What is the race and how do we run it? Well, he said this. uh, The apostle said, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not, what? Obey the truth. Progress in this race is defined and determined by our obedience to the truth. He didn't say you need to run faster. He didn't say that you need to run with better form. He said you need to run according to the rules and faithfully you need to obey the truth. I'm glad this race isn't about who finishes first or second or third. Because I'll tell you this, I'd be way on down the line. I'm glad this race is not about who has the best form in running, because I'll be honest with you, there's people that when it comes to being a good Christian probably do it a lot better than I do. I can't control what other people do, but only I can control what I do. And I can make sure that whatever, I may not be remarkable, I may not be, I may not be talented, I may not be skillful, I may not be good looking. Now I happen to be all those things, but I'm saying if I was talking about you, maybe you're not, (laughs) maybe you're not the, no, I'm joking, you can look up at me until I ain't talking about me. I may not be any of those things, you understand, but I I can be this, I can be obedient. I I I can obey the Lord. I can do what's right. And that's how he defines this race. So the race is living obediently 
to the Lord. And he says some things about how they had lived in the past, about their history. Notice first off, their participation is mentioned. He said this, you ran the race at one time. There was a time you were living right. There was a time you were serving the Lord. There was a time that you were doing what God expected of you. And you know, every single one of us, my my father's mentioned this before and it struck me now that I've had children and seen them. And I guess as you get older and your body breaks down, you think of it more. But I've heard him make comments before about a newborn child. He'll look at him and say, boy, look at him. Everything works on him. (laughs) You know, their joints don't hurt. Their eyes work. Everything works on them. You know, when you got born again, everything worked on you. I'm not saying you were perfect. I'm saying that when you, when, when, when the starting gun shot, you started off running the race. Every one of us started off running the race. You remember what Paul said about how he got born again when he was talking to King Agrippa? He, he talks about that heavenly vision, talks about the revelation of his lost condition as a sinner and God commanding him uh, to uh, believe on him and to be saved. And Paul says it this way, whereupon I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, O King. Now listen, I don't believe work saves us. I don't believe that works plays any part in saving us. But I believe the believing of the gospel is an act of obedience. Our natural flesh would say, don't believe the gospel. But we listen to what God said. We listen to the truth of what He reveals about us and what Christ has done. And we respond by surrendering our will to His will. And we obey the gospel. I'm saying for every born-again believer, for some period of time, you were in the race. You participated. You ran and probably you can look back at times in your Christian life and hopefully it it is long-storied seasons that you can look at uh, that you were faithful to the Lord, that the Lord was more important than anything else, that the Lord was the master of your life, that the Lord was the masterpiece of your life, that you sought to live Him uh, for Him and love Him more than anything else. I'm saying this, we could all probably say that we have participated in the race. He talks about their participation. He said, you did run. There was a time you were in it. There was a time you were serving the Lord. You did run, but then notice what he says. He says they ran. Not that they walked. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about walking before we close, but I would just notice this. They didn't They didn't just walk. They didn't just lumber. They didn't just stroll. They ran in the race. So I see not only their participation, but I can't help but notice their passion, Brother Ken. Uh, they weren't just in it. They were. They were in it to win it. They were in it to win it, man. They weren't just in it just to keep pace. They were in it to run. I, I love to watch children run, uh, especially when um, I don't have to really pay attention to them. But I mean, just in general, and some of y'all may hate it. I'm sure there's probably people who do. Uh, but And I don't like kids being crazy, tearing stuff up. But I kind of like seeing our kids run around. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I don't, please know I don't mean this in an unkind way, but if you want to find a church, uh, if you want to find a building with pews and a pulpit and nothing's ever out of place and everything's real quiet and everything's real demure and everything's always in its proper place, go to a funeral home. Because that's what a funeral home is. Now, I'm not saying we ought to let them tear the building down uh, sheetrock to stud, but I am saying this. It's good for there to be a little activity. And it's good for there to be little ones around. And, and, and I, I love it, man. I love to see them run and play. I don't like seeing them swing on chandelier, but I love to see them run and play. I love to see the fervor and zeal and passion. A child will run when he ain't in no hurry. He'll just run because he can run. Nobody will be racing him. And they'll just run just because they're excited about life. They're excited about getting there. Man, I've known Christians like that. I want to be a Christian like that. I want to run just because I can run. 
I don't want. I don't want to have to do my best because I feel like God's going to hit me over the head with a hammer. I don't want to have to do my best because I feel like somebody's going to criticize me if I don't. I want to do my best because He's worthy of my best. I want to do my best because hey, uh, Paul later on talks about the liberty you've been called unto liberty. That's the idea, man. You take one of these kids and give them a little liberty. Go turn them loose in that gymnasium, man. They'll just run because they've been set free. I just want to run because I've been set free. I want to live for the Lord with passion. I feel like it takes so much emotional investment and capital just to battle with the world around us that we've allowed it to rob us of our zeal and passion as believers. We just, listen, by the time we're done watching the news and solving the world's problems, being angry about everything, we ain't got no, we ain't got no energy left to live for the Lord. But there was a time, man, we had passion. There was a time it mattered to us what we did for the Lord Jesus Christ. So they didn't, they weren't just in the race, but they ran. I see their participation, their passion, but then I noticed their performance. Paul said, you, you did run well. You did run well. Brother Ken, they did it the right way. They weren't just satisfied to do something. They wanted to do the right thing. Can I ask you something? So often the matters of church and serving the Lord become shrouded in all of the various responsibilities and opinions and, 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 and obligations that we have. But can I ask you this? Are you not only trying to serve the Lord, but trying to do it as well as you possibly can? Man, I want to make sure if I do something for God, I do it right. You know, I mean, if I give to the Lord, I want to make sure I give Him what He's worthy or best as I can what He's worthy of. If I preach a sermon for the Lord, I want to have invested the time in it and spent the energy in it because I want to put forth my, my best effort. If you sing a song, if you teach a class, if you hand out tracts, if you just try to love on folks that are hurting and in pain, whatever it is, we ought to do our best to do it and not just do it passionately, but do it well as unto the Lord. We've lost this in the day that we live in. And let me say, I don't think that God cares anything. Uh, Well, I won't say that God don't care anything. I think God cares more uh, about a person's person's spiritual condition than He cares about their appearance or their apparel or anything of that matter. But one of the things we're losing in our society that we used to have generations ago, uh, the reason people uh, did what they did, the reason they they got up and combed their hair and put on clothes and did all these things, and uh, the reason that you grew up having Sunday go to meet and clothes and things like that, the idea was to give God your best. Now, now your best might have just been a, 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 a clean pair of overalls, but it didn't matter. It wasn't about the actual clothing. It was just about trying to give God your best. I think it's a shame that we've lost that in our society that we're in. Now, I'm not talking about apparel. I'm talking about appreciation for the Lord. It ain't got to do with the clothes you put on. It's got to do with anything in life that you do. You ought to do it as unto the Lord. and Give it your absolute best. They, there was a time they served God, and they did it the best that they knew how. It ought not be we're always just trying to, just trying to shovel our responsibilities and just get them over with. Not when it comes to the things of God, at least. Hey, go ahead, treat your work that way. Don't treat the Lord that way. Uh, listen, treat, treat your, treat your mowing the yard or trimming the hedges or treat, treat that. Don't treat the Lord that way. He's worthy of more than that. I see their performance. So these were people that had been invested and involved and had been serving the Lord and they had been doing right. But the very reason Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, pins down this letter is because something had changed. They did run well, but somebody hindered them. So I see not only their history, I see their hobbling. 
Now stop and think about a person running their race. If they're running and, and moving at a swift pace and, and keeping in their course and they're doing everything that they're supposed to, if something goes wrong, it's probably going to go wrong in one of a few different ways. And you know, I've seen this to be true as it relates to spiritual life and, and church life and Christians. Most of the time, Brother Charlie, if things go wrong, it goes wrong in one of a handful of ways. For instance, I think about this person running this race and they were doing well and then something changed. And I thought, well, had they stumbled? Maybe they were running along and keeping pace, but an obstacle got in the way. Or maybe they just simply weren't paying attention to their footing and they stumbled and they fell. Every once in a while, I don't ride bicycles because I have a car. And I don't, I don't watch people ride bicycles because they have racing that has cars. But... If you watch these guys that do this like Tour de France and stuff, man, every once in a while, one of those guys will take a spill. And then everybody takes a spill. You know, sometimes that's kind of how church is if we're not careful. Sometimes our downfall can cause the downfall of other people, and our spill can cause other people to spill. But very often, man, I mean, they're, they're moving like 900 miles an hour on this little piece of aluminum that weighs less than my shoe, and, and, and it don't take much, Brother Ken, just a little pebble, just a little slick patch, just a little piece of gravel, but something gets in their way, and they tumble. Next thing you know, the whole race has stopped. You know, there's some people that's been going on serving the Lord, and then something came up, something happened. Uh, something all of a sudden, uh, somebody hurt their feelings. All of a sudden, they ran into some kind of... Uh, there, there, there's, there's sometimes uh, people run into health issues. Now listen, I don't want anybody that's too sick to go to be going. But I'm saying sometimes we're doing and we're living for the Lord and we're serving and, and we allow something that might impede us in certain ways to impede us in every way. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe you fall on hard times and all of a sudden you find that the provision that you once thought was there is not there. It can be any number of things and we can let it cause us to stumble. Hey listen, it's okay to stumble. We all stumble sometimes you got to get back up. We all stumble. I don't care who you are. We all have those times. we got to get back up. So maybe they had stumbled. And then I thought to myself, you know, it's possible they stumbled. But you know, there's another possibility. Had they strayed maybe from the path that they had been set upon? You know, it's possible they were running in this race and where they should have took a right turn, they took a left turn. It's possible that they were running this race and then all of a sudden they veered off and started chasing after something else. I love, one of the things I love when we go to campus when we do field games, and we'll do field games with the little kids. And there's a reason that people tolerate peewee sports. And the reason is because it's a joy to watch the utter and absolute chaos of 18 or 20 kids out on a field, and there just happens to be a soccer ball or a football there, but really there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing, and they're just running around and bumping into each other and everything. And, you know, very often in our Christian life, that's how we are. We allow things to distract us. I remember being, I remember playing Little League Baseball, and um, I had a smart mouth, and the coach, I smarted off to him about something, and he put me in the outfield, because that's how it works in Pee Wee <laughs> Baseball. And uh, so he put me in the outfield, and so I'd just sit back there. Couldn't nobody hit the ball? If you had given them a baseball shooter, they couldn't have got it into the outfield. So I just sat out there and sat on the ground, picked dandelions. I was that kid. It wasn't because I wanted to be. I just, that's, that's where my smart mouth had got me. And, and I used to sit out there and I never paid attention. I don't know if we were good or not. Because I was always distracted. I was always paying attention to something else. I had been strayed from the purpose and goal and plan and match that had been set before me. And you know, some people are serving the Lord and living for the Lord and they're doing right and they're, and then all of a sudden something distracts them and pulls them away from serving the Lord. Another pursuit, another passion, 
I'm going to get a little more into this here in just a moment, but maybe they had strayed. And then I thought, he says, you did run. So maybe they just slowed down. Maybe they just slowed down. Maybe they got tired and they got weary and they're still going the right way and they're still to some degree doing the right thing, but they've lost their passion and they're not, they're running, but they're not running well anymore. Maybe they had just slowed down. I know that's a great temptation in the day that we live in. You know, I said it a moment ago, by the time we get done wrestling and trying to fix all the world's problems, we ain't got the energy anymore, it seems, sometimes, to go with passion. And sometimes it's easy to shuffle our responsibilities to the Lord onto the back burner. And sometimes it's easy to give ourselves this excuse. We'll just say, well, I'm just going to slow down in what I'm doing for the Lord. I I can't do what I used to, so I'm just going to slow down. Uh, Listen, there can be a different in sort... But that doesn't mean there has to be a difference in speed in what we're doing. Can't all of us do the same thing? Man, I realize that. You know that's true? Can't all do the same thing for the Lord. There are certain things that are in my wheelhouse or or certain things that are not in my wheelhouse. There are certain things I may have the ability or the talent to do. But that doesn't mean that I need to slow down in whatever my avenue of serving God is. Maybe they had slowed down. And you know, maybe because they slowed down, maybe they just stopped altogether. I ain't going to preach a lot about this because the folks that do this ain't here this morning. They won't be here tonight. They won't be here Wednesday night. Now, listen, I understand there's people providentially hindered. I think you know me, know my heart well enough to know there's people sick and can't be here. and There's people that tragedy has struck and they cannot be here. There's people traveling. I don't begrudge them one bit except I'm just mad they're at the beach and I'm not. But other than that, I, Brother Kerry, I don't, I don't... Other than that, it doesn't... I'm saying don't really bother me. I understand that. But listen, setting aside those those unique circumstances that you and I both know exist, we understand there's some folks that could be here that aren't here. And you know what happened? They slowed down. If you slow far enough, you know what that's called? That's called stopping. It's called stopping. If this ain't bothering you, God bless you. I said if this ain't bothering you, God bless you. That's fine. But if it is, maybe we ought to listen to the Holy Ghost a little bit. If it ain't bothering you, that's fine. You can go home and say, boy, the preacher preached good at them people today. That's fine. But I'm just telling you, very often great danger in slowing down is it's the first step in stopping. I, I could tell you as a, as a pastor, and, and maybe you wouldn't even believe me if I, if I do, but as a pastor, you can see when people have one foot out the door. They don't think you can see. But you can see when people have one foot out the door. Very rarely does anyone stop that the pastor doesn't first see him slow down. That's the reason, listen, when your pastor in love comes to you and says, is everything all right? You're doing all right? Hey, I want you to step into this or step into that or whatever it might be. That's why it's a good idea sometimes to receive that as wisdom. Not because he's such a wise individual, but because he stands up on a platform with a bird's eye view and figuratively speaking, he, he steps back and he looks and he can see you slowing down. And it's not that he hates you and it's not that he begrudges you and it's not that he resents you. It's that he's afraid you're getting ready to get one foot out and you're getting ready to stop. Because, Brother Ken, we've seen it so many times. Rarely is someone running at full pace and then out the next day. Most of the time they slow down first. And you know what that eventually leads to? Eventually they just stop. You could walk up and down these streets and talk to person after person after person. And if you invite them to church, they'll say, oh yeah, I used to go to church. I used to go to church. You got family that was like that, right? You got friends that was like that. You probably got a neighbor that you tried to invite to church and they said, oh yeah, I used to go to church. He did run well. 
Who did hinder you? See, the truth is, we think that's them, that's not me. But they said that at one time. And it could be any of us. How did that happen? Well, maybe they had stopped. Maybe they had just slowed until they had stopped. So I see they're hobbling. And then I have to get to really the, the, the thrust of the message, and that's their hindrance. He didn't say what. He said who. In other words, there's somebody that caused that. Now, who was it? Now, I thought about a few things. I thought, well, maybe maybe it was Satan. Was it Satan that deceived them? Paul gives us a little bit of an idea. He says in verse 8, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, that word persuasion, it means somebody's been whispering in your ear. They have deceived you. He said, someone has persuaded you. Now, that sounds exactly like what the devil does, doesn't it, Brother Charlie? He gets in our ear and he says, you've worked hard for the Lord and you've done this and that and there's other people not doing anything for the Lord. Why are you wasting your time? and Why are you spending your life? Uh, listen, you hurt and, and you have problems and you have sorrows and, and, and let those people go and, and carry the load and you just take it easy. And he gets in your ear and whispers and persuades you. Maybe it was Satan that deceived them. I thought maybe it was stumbling blocks that derailed them. And I, I sort of looked at the passage and thought about a few of them. For instance, it could have been saints that disappointed them that had hindered them. Uh, look in verse number 10. He makes his statement at the end of verse 10. He says, But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Down in verse number 12, Paul kind of says the same thing. He said, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. Paul says, you've got some believers in the body of Christ that have disappointed you, that have let you down, that are causing you trouble and sorrow. Paul says, God's going to judge them one day. But could it be what had hindered them? Is there some people that they had looked up to, some people they had loved, some people they thought that had loved them, that had treated them ill and had disappointed them? I was talking to a lady just the other day and she was talking about some of her, her history and, and uh, you know, what God had done in her life. And uh, she was talking about she had grown up in, in, in a church and, and in that church the pastor had committed a, a, a sin and a crime and had done something ill. And uh, the lady said, you know, I didn't let that derail me. I just kept on serving the Lord and kept on going to church. And I made the statement to her. I said, well, that's an encouragement to me because a lot of people, it wouldn't even take that much to get them out of church. So often you see people that at one time served the Lord and then somebody broke their heart. Somebody broke their heart. And that was enough for them to just get out of the race. Could have been saints that disappointed them. And then I, I thought to myself, and this isn't really a who, but I, I think it ought to be mentioned, it could have been circumstances that discouraged them. Paul uses a word we're pretty familiar with in verse 11. He says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution?" then is the offense of the cross ceased. Now, here's what Paul's doing, right? Paul is saying this, I know what it's like to have people beat up on you. He's saying, if I was saying the same message that they were saying, they wouldn't be treating me with such hostility. But he says, I know what it is to suffer persecution. Can I tell you, sometimes it'll be the circumstances of life that discourage you. Sometimes, by the way, discouragement... Sometimes discouragement doesn't look like throwing up your hands. Sometimes discouragement looks like kicking up your feet. Sometimes discouragement don't look like throwing up your hands, Brother Ken. It looks like leaning back and just kicking up your feet. But they both produce the same thing. Sometimes we let the circumstances of life discourage us. I think we are all grappling in this world that we live in to maintain commitment and faithfulness to the Lord. And we're looking at a world that is rocking and reeling and boiling and seething all the time. And we as the body of Christ ought to be a constant in that environment. I said we as the body of Christ, we ought to be a constant 
in that environment. We ought to be a rock in that environment. We ought to be, we ought to be a refuge in that environment. But sometimes we look at a world that is, that is burning down and we let that discourage us and keep us from running. It might have been circumstances, Brother Ken, that discouraged them. It could have been strife that disturbed them. Down in verse number uh, 13, or verse number 14, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. Now, there's a reason he said that. It's because it was a problem in that church. He said, the pro- y'all are at each other all the time. At each other all the time. He said, you're biting, you're devouring one another. And it was a constant circumstance and situation of strife. Let me tell you something, strife can destroy a church. Strife can destroy a church. Uh, there, there was, and I'm not laying this at the feet of the man of God that was here before me, but there was when, when I came to the church uh, ten years ago, there was some strife had been existent. And there had been some questions, you know, what do we do and where do we go and what do we do? And, and Brother Richard and, and uh, Brother Larry and some of the others in this room, they could tell you there was people we literally, we sat in their living room and said, we want you to come back, we want you to visit the church, God's doing a work there. And they said, well, there's just so much strife. And sadly, a lot of those people wound up in church nowhere. What happened? They just got tired of it and there was just strife. And they let it drive them out. They let it disturb them. And some of those people, I hope, and I know for a fact, some of them back in church living for the Lord today, but some of those people that allowed strife to disturb them and to drive them out, some of them still ain't back in the race today. They let it drive them out. Listen, anywhere where there's people, there's problems. That's that's a truism of life. Anywhere where there's people, there's problems. You've heard this saying before, but if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. It won't be perfect anymore. The idea being this, that where there are people there... If this church was nobody but me preaching at me, I'd still find something to disagree with. And that's true for you as well. There, strife is a way of life, but we cannot allow strife. Let me tell you something. You think it's peaceful out of the will of God? Look out, man. Look out the window at the world, figuratively speaking. Is, is that the kind of peace you want? Some people allow strife. And then I thought about this. Look at verse 13. He says, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Now, liberty essentially means that you have the choice to do what you wish. That's what liberty at a very fundamental level means. You can go where you want. You can do what you want. He says, you've been called unto liberty. In other words, you're not under the constraints of Old Testament Judaism. Nobody's going to stone your family to death if you don't keep a feast or if you don't obey the law. He says you've been called unto liberty only, he says, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You know, the irony is people make statements in life, and I feel, you know, one of these days, the book of Matthew says every idle word will be brought into judgment. And there are things that people say that I shudder when they say these things, Because I think to myself, one of these days at the throne of God that's going to be brought back to you, people will say things like this, only God can judge me. Well, two things about that. Number one, it's not true. Anybody can judge you. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, people at a very basic fundamental level make judgments of you all the time, every day. Hopefully they're nice enough to not say them to your face. But they do. You make judgments about me. But at the core of what they're saying, what they're saying is I am accountable only to God. And I would say this, for whatever nuance may exist in that realm, there is a truth there that should terrify us. Only God can judge me. Yeah, and He's going to. He's going to. And people will say things like this. They'll say, nobody can tell me what to do. 
I've heard people say that. Well, that's true. I've met those people. And it's true. Nobody can tell them what to do. They have liberty is what they're saying. They'll say things like this. I can do what I want. And there's a truth to that. I remember Lester Olaf saying years ago, he said, he said, I drink as much as I want to. He said, I cuss as much as I want to. <laughs> he said, he said, I get out and party as much as I want to. He said, when God saved me, he changed my want to. We have liberty. Nobody can make you run this race. I said, nobody can make you run this race. God could, but He won't. He leaves a choice up to you. Nobody can make you run the race. But here's the thing. Though you have that liberty, though He has not put a collar around your neck or a yoke or on, uh, on your shoulders, or though He has not put a harness around your chest, you should not take that as a reason to run off course. I would say it could have been sensual things that distracted them. Could have been they got pursuing after after a job and it got them out. Could have been they started pursuing after a hobby and it got them out. Could have been they started pursuing after a relationship and it got them out. Who did hinder you, Paul says. But you know, I think I have the answer. I told you I was going to name them by name. And I am today. We could say, was it Satan that deceived them? And that's possible. There's a lot of people that are running that race and then they quit that race because Satan gets in their head and their heart and their ear, breathes a bunch of lies in there and they believe them and next thing you know, they're out. And then I thought to myself, was it stumbling blocks that derailed them? Maybe it was people that disappointed them or circumstances that discouraged them or strife that disturbed them or sensual things that distracted them. And you know, that's all possible. I've seen people get out. I've seen people quit on God for all of those reasons. Every single one of them. But then I thought, you know, Paul really gives us the answer. Look down to verse 13. I want you to notice a word with me. We read this verse a moment ago. He says, brethren, you've been called unto liberty. So you can choose to do what you want. He says, only use not liberty for an occasion to them. Now, what's this word? Flesh. Down in verse 16, he puts a finer point on it. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, it might have been Satan. He certainly wants to get us out of this race. It might have been stumbling blocks, other people and other circumstances Certainly those things exist and we must grapple with them. But you know, ultimately, it was self that defeated them. Ultimately, it was self that defeated them. You know who got you out of the race? It's that person who looks back at you every morning when you look in the mirror. You know how I know that? Because there's been, there's been people hurt more than I've ever been hurt and they didn't quit. There's been people go through more trials than I've ever been through. They didn't quit. There's been people mistreated worse than I've ever been, worse than you've ever been, but they didn't quit. There's been people that Satan pursued after, but they didn't quit. See, here's the reality of the situation. I bet you nobody's getting ready to do a backflip. You ain't going to be excited about what I'm about to say. At the end of the day, nobody can make you run this race. But at the end of the day, nobody can stop you from running this race. And at the end of the day, it falls at our feet. The choices we make and what we do. Now again, we all understand there might be circumstances in life people providentially hindered. And and I wish you'd give me grace enough to know my heart that that's the case. I know that. You know that. There's folks give everything they've got to be here this morning and can't. They're laying on sick beds. I know that, you know that, we all know that, so let's go ahead and get that out of the way. But I'm talking about those people that could, but they chose not. 
talking about people that could have looked at a world and at a church that hurt them and said, whatever they've done to me, it wasn't Jesus that did it. And He's worthy of my life. And they could have pressed on and they could have gone on. They could have looked at the strife that took place and, and the fussing and fighting and bickering. And guess what? You'll find it in the church. You'll find it out of the church. I, I lose patience with people that talk about churches if it's the only place that conflict exists. You know people are burning down major American cities, right? I would posit to you this is probably not a distinctly Baptist problem we have in our world around us. It's a human problem. It's a problem of the flesh. That's what it is. And I'm just simply saying there's been people been through things we could never imagine. But instead of allowing those things to be the reason that they left the race, they allowed those things to be the fuel, the motivation that kept them in the race. And they said, I can't quit. I can't quit. I can't quit on God. I can't quit on my, my loved ones. I can't quit on my church family. I can't quit on my responsibilities. Who did hinder you? I'll tell you who hinders me. And it ain't anybody I'm looking at. It's the one person I can't look at this morning. That's me. That's me. i got to look into the mirror of the Word of God to see me. But you know, when I look in there, I'll find out that, that that old rascal that stopped me, that one that stuck his foot out and tripped me up, that one that grabbed hold of me and slowed me down, that one that wrestled me to the ground, hog-tied me and kept me from being able to go on, it wasn't any of you. He looked like me. It was me that did it. So you and I have the only choice in our life as to, as to whether we go on and serve the Lord. How do we do it? I'd venture a guess to you. There's people sitting in this room this morning and there's people sitting at home that ought to be in this room this morning that have a desire to run that race. They do. They do. They did at one time and now they don't. And they want to know how to get back in it. So let's notice very quickly in closing their help. What's the answer? Well, the answer is found in verse 16. He said, this I say then. Now that's Paul's way of saying I'm fixing to close. And as you can see, the book goes on for another chapter, so Paul's just like I am, all right? He says, this I say then. I'm wrapping it up. I'm summing it up, he says. This is what it comes down to. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I notice a few things there that they needed to do. Some steps they needed to take. First off, they needed a return to the path. It's amazing how often I've read this chapter and this passage. I've taught on it. And never saw this before. But you know, it starts off with them running. And then it goes to them stopping. And you know what Paul's advice is? Walk. Walk in the Spirit. In other words, he says this, you want to get back in the race? You've got to take that first step. You've got to return to the path. You've got to recognize that nobody can do it but you. Nobody can make the decision but you. And you've got to turn, you've got to put your foot back on that track and get back to it. There's no shortcut around that. So often I see people in life spiritually, and and this is true of all areas of life and ambition, that are paralyzed waiting for someone else to take that step for them. And they stand still for their whole life. They never progress. They never go on. Because they're waiting for somebody else to take that step for them. But the reality is only you can take that first step back to serving the Lord, back to living for God, back to serving Him with passion, back to running well. You have to take that first step. So I notice they needed a return to the path. And then I notice that they need the right pace. Now this is interesting. He didn't say, run in the Spirit. He 
said, walk in the Spirit. You know, part of our problem is we want everything to be an easy, quick fix. We live in, in the microwave generation, don't we? Where the, is that outdated yet? I need someone younger than me to tell me if that's outdated yet. Somebody that, that doesn't own a laser disc player or something. We live in the microwave generation. And you know, we want to walk up and push a few buttons and we want everything to come out. But you know something that we learn very quick cooking with a microwave? It, 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 it'll, it'll get it done, right? But it ain't the same. It ain't the same. <laughs> Can you cook a steak in a microwave? Well, yeah, I mean, you can. Not around me, you can't. But you can. No, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to say, Preacher, I make the best steaks in microwave. That's fine. I, it's neither here nor there. I'm saying you can do it, but it ain't going to be the same. You know, part of the problem, we've been running and running and running and running, and then we spend a, a few weeks or a few months or a year or a few years or a few decades laying there on the track doing nothing, and then we want to get up and run the way that we did back then. We need to understand, as long as we can walk... I'm not saying you back off, but I'm saying if you're not doing anything, the first thing, you don't have to go out and conquer the world. You just have to get the basics and fundamentals right. You say, preacher, I never quit on the basics or fundamentals. Well, then for you, you need to get the next step right. You remember when they conquered the land of Canaan? God said this, I'll give you the land little by little. He said, if I gave it to you all in one year, the wild beasts would overtake it, the weeds would grow it over. But he said, little by little, I'm going to conquer. You will conquer it as you can keep it. You'll conquer it as you can keep it. We want to go to an altar and we want to ask God for forgiveness and get up and, and we want us to have no more struggles and we want it to be easy and we don't want it to be simple. The truth is, you know, it was never easy. We were just conditioned to it. We were conditioned to it. You know why I don't run marathons? Because I'm fat and I'm out of shape and I'll probably die. Now, any of those people out there running marathons... If they ate like I did, they'd get fat too. You'll hear people say sometimes, you know, I, I've got a little weight, but it's it's hereditary and it's glandular. Not with me, man. I married a woman that cooks. And, and, and so, I, I mean, I've earned every pound I've got, every inch that's around my waist, I have earned every bit of it. Now, if those people running that marathon did that very same thing and then got out and tried to run a marathon, it'd kill them just like it'd kill me. It didn't get any farther. It, the road didn't get any steeper. It's just they were conditioned to it. And here's the thing. You look back at when you served God in your younger days. You look back a few weeks or a few months or a few years or a few decades and you think it was so easy. It wasn't easy. You were just conditioned to it. you got to walk. And then I noticed they got to have the right person. You walk how? In the Spirit. In the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to not fulfill the lust of the flesh thinking that will invite the Spirit into our lives. That's not how the grace of God works. You know what God did? God took His Holy Ghost and put it in a broken, wretched, rotten sinner and said, I'm going to allow the Spirit of God by His leadership, by His guidance, by His direction to transform that person into what I desire for them to be. Uh, this is the reason we get paralyzed. That's our excuse for not taking that first step. We want everything to be perfect for God. You know what God wants? God wants us to take that first step. I said, God wants us to take that first step. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I, I can't do everything like I used to. No, but you can do something. You may not be able to do what you used to do, 
But you can take a step. You can move back to the Lord. You can look at the areas of your life that you can deal with presently at this moment and get those things right with the Lord. Don't get paralyzed waiting for somebody else to take that first step. We want to fulfill, we want to, we want to deny the lust of the flesh and thereby invite the Spirit of God into our life. That's not how it works. God put the Spirit of God in your life. Now here's what you do. Obey Him. Isn't that how this whole thing starts? You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? It all started. How do we run before? We ran before just by obeying Him. And that's how we'll run again through obedience unto Him. Let's bow together this morning. I feel like the Lord's done. As a musician comes to the piano, the altar is open and I preach my message. I'm not going to ask you a hundred questions. I just want to ask you if you'll take that first step this morning. I wonder if you'll take that first step this morning. Now, don't look at your pace and say, it's still further ahead somebody else's pace. They'll always, you'll always be going more and further and faster than somebody else is. Instead, what you need to do is look at where you used to be and ask yourself, I, I, I did run well. Who did hinder me? Father, bless this invitation. May it glorify the Lord Jesus.